instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us. And of course, you know it, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and today... We're going back to the world of blockchain, NFTs, and this time we're going to be talking, much like we were talking about the Buy the Broncos DAO, uh, we're going to be talking about how you, just an average person, can go out and buy some of the most rare collectible items out there. Nick Beto from Black Chip, welcome to the program. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you for joining us. And uh, like I mentioned in the uh, the intro there, you're helping make a lot of the, we'll say the more collectible art world or, or beyond that, much more accessible for folks. And I think right now this is where the conversation's turning, right? Web3, getting away from the traditional uh, centralized approach to technology and now really opening it up to your average person. Nick, let's start off first before we dig into that, though, with Black Chip, how you're helping solve the uh, the problems that have been out there to actually get people accessibility. But first, let's introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. What got you to the point of being founder of Black Chip? And uh, what are you seeing as your role here in the Web3 space? Great. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that introduction, Brian. So, um, you know, I, I think the Web3 the web space is so incredibly innovative. Um, and it's a growing ecosystem every day. The trajectory is, is off the charts. Um, and so that was one thing that kind of played an intricate piece to why I transitioned into this, into this world. Um, I wasn't always in Web3. I was originally um, in financial services, particularly in the hedge fund clients. Um, and so here I was. And, but, but mind you, I had been a Bitcoin investor back in 2014. So I'm not one of those like home run, home run hitting millionaires. Don't get me wrong. But I was, you know, one of the few that believed in the space early on, um, you know, and, and people kind of shied away from that because it was really used for bad actors and people to hide um, their transactions. Um, and, and so, you know, some people believed in the, the innovation, the technology side. I was kind of more um, in that same ballpark, but I just didn't really believe it had the potential it had today. It didn't have many use cases. So for me, I was working about 60 or 70 hours a day um for for most of the excuse me 60 70 hours a week uh for for majority of, of the year and it just wasn't a sustainable lifestyle and so for me what i wanted to do was i wanted to build something i wanted to be part of something i wanted to solve a problem in a space that was growing and i like to throw this reference out um there was a video i saw of jeff bezos before he started amazon and it essentially pertained to about how he came across this startling statistic that the internet was growing like 90,000% a day. And I don't know if exactly that's the exact figure, but it was something, it was something staggering. And, and that's what caused him and, and forced him to kind of quit his job and you know, on wall street and create, uh, and create Amazon. Um, and so I kind of feel like I had a very similar path. Um, I wanted to be in a place where we're making these assets, these collectibles accessible to everybody. And Brian, you and I probably won't be able to afford, you know, exposure to a Ferrari or a Banksy or a Bored Ape or a, a cast of McAllen. Um, but, but Black Ship's aiming to solve that, that issue right there. You could come from any, any walk of life. Um, you can come from anywhere in the world and, and be a part of this and, and own parts of these assets that you typically wouldn't be able to afford. And we're in, in a, in better term, democratizing these collectibles for everyone in the world. 
We saw this with the buy the Broncos Dow, and it made it really cool, right? Because the Broncos are going to cost $4 billion, and the chances that Brian Nichols or Nick Beto can go out and actually uh, you know, buy the Broncos on our own, slim to none. That means that you're going to have a few select people who have the ability to buy $4 billion worth of an NFL team, unless, to your point, now we're starting to see that technology is creating an opportunity where, yes, you can do a buy the Broncos Dow. You can do now the black chip Dow. So we're having an opportunity for individuals to kind of do the thing we've always wanted to do. We saw it start kind of in GoFundMe, but we also saw the inherent flaws in GoFundMe, right? Especially what happened up in the Canadian trucker protests. So we see that now with Web3, it's eliminating a lot of the objections and the concerns that you'd have to overcome when you're trying to institute something like this, right? But now, but yeah, exactly. But now it's actually giving us a chance to get all the benefits that we are looking for without those negatives. Exactly. And and Brian, let me just, I'll just touch on this. Um, And in my opinion, there's a massive cultural revolution occurring. We're transitioning from the centralized, to your point, to these centralized traditional hierarchy government structures, this this, uh, voting mechanisms that we will. There's only a couple decision makers in some of these big businesses, Um, and it impacts all of us. So we're we're transitioning, and we've been hurt before. We've been lied to before. Centralized authorities... Um, they're bound by you know, microeconomic variables. Whereas when you create this pure democratic structure that is a DAO, that's, so, that's incredibly trustless. It's the only structure that allows for people, complete strangers who have never met, that come from all walks of life, to communicate and, and contribute uh, to satisfy a particular mission. And you know, this is, this is, we're talking about a structure here um, that allows for everyone to have a voice. You can make proposals to the community and you can vote on those proposals and everyone's equal. And I think it's an incredibly, incredibly new concept for people. And this concept is so different from what we're so accustomed to because that, like I was mentioning, that, that traditional hierarchy where there's a central authority kind of pulling all the strings and some backroom promises, here it's here with a DAO through blockchain, we have complete transparency. We have accountability for people that you want to make the good decisions, or if you don't, you'll be um, you'll be held accountable to those. And and the great thing about it is, b- because of blockchain, it, it just allows a greater cross border collective to contribute in these things. We don't we're not restricted to people in the U.S. or people in China can you know are only are only uh, allowed to to operate with Chinese businesses. Now it's just this cross border. If you're an enthusiast. Or if you feel that you have a say or if you really want to contribute into a community, you absolutely can. And, and this is the great this is the great place because now we're you know, we could have a community where there's someone from Nigeria or Japan or Canada or the US and, and they could all contribute into this enthusiast community. So let's make it real, right? And I think this is where sometimes it gets tough for people because they're like, okay, Nick, this sounds incredible. And yeah, I would like to get involved, but like, what does this entail? How can I actually go from where I am on this one side of the cliff to the other side of the cliff without going down to the chasm and breaking my neck and dying? Because I know right now people get terrified of going into this world of Web3. I think it's especially because it's on them now. It's no longer the deferral of 
the you know to the the third party it, it's now everything lives and dies by you being you and, and making sure that you're keeping tabs of everything you need to keep tabs of holding on to your bitcoin wallet all those little minor details that people would never think of when you're talking to your financial institution or your credit card company so yeah. let's make it real for folks how how do people actually go about and seeing where they are now to actually getting involved with a, a dial like black chip yeah um, and, and yeah, that's exactly it. So, so Brian, I, I will be honest with you and, and to the listeners out there, um, there is, there is, um, a learning curve. Um, there is a barrier to entry and I think that's what scares a lot of people, especially the crypto space. They see the volatility and they assume that everything is paired with that volatility, whether it's a DAO, whether it's a protocol, um, whether it's a coin like Bitcoin or Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. Um, but yeah, black chip, black chip wants to make it easier for everybody. Um, so it's as simple as, it's as simple as making any type of brokerage you would at home. You can go to your, you can go to a crypto, crypto exchange like Coinbase or Binance, depending on where you're located. And you could just very easily make an account, purchase some Ethereum and transfer that Ethereum to a digital wallet. Now this digital wallet, and I think this kind of, this is where people kind of get lost in the weeds here. You are your own bank. So the crypto wallet is you have complete control of your funds. You have complete custody over them. Unlike anything else where the bank controls your money, it gets sent off to a thousand different people on loans or for what for whatever they use the purposes for. But well, you have pure custody of your coins and you have uh, of your coins when you have it in a digital wallet. And that's incredibly important because this way you can use you can use it however you'd like. And there's nobody controlling you. There's nobody telling you where to put it. But of course, that comes with the risk that comes with the risk that you have to protect it. You have to take good care of uh, of your of your passwords of your wallet. And, and that's. And that's just one of the uh, one of the downsides to it, but it also comes with the freedom. And I'll say this, Brian: um, it's as easy as downloading and making a Coinbase account, purchasing some Ethereum, downloading it or transferring, excuse me, to to a digital wallet like MetaMask, which is the which is probably the most popular digital wallet in the world right now. Um, and just minting the NFT, minting the uh, the governance token directly on our site, you could you could purchase the NFT, which essentially has a, a dual utility where it, where it's allowed for governance, you can make proposals, anything involved in the community, that NFT will essentially allow you to do everything. Um, you'll be part of the membership. And it's just a very simple process because you essentially just buying the Ethereum, transferring it to your digital wallet, and purchasing that NFT directly from the blackchip.co site. And it's, it's a very simplistic process. Um, you could always resell the NFT if you chose that you no longer wanted to be part of the community. But I think the, the big piece here is we're creating a, we're creating a unique community. Blackship is a unique global collective of enthusiasts that want to kind of contribute and own shares of these unique coveted assets that you typically wouldn't be able to afford. Now for me, I think one of my, I'm a, I like cars, I like whiskey and I like art. So I'm kind of all over the board in the collectible spectrum. But I'll tell you this, there's not many times where, and, and my favorite car is an Austin Martin DB5, which was, Brian, I'm sure you know, made popular by the uh, James Bond movies in the mm. 60s. Um, it's not every day you'll be able to afford something like that without going completely broke. But a DAO provides that ability and a realistic expectation. And, and, and to, about Sean and the Denver Broncos DAO, I think they're a great, they're a great, great idea. I think that just unrealistic expectations because it's a lot, you're trying to raise a lot of money here. We don't need nearly that amount of money 
to operate a fully functioning community. And, and that's what's so great. It's, it's a very realistic expectations. It's completely transparent through blockchain. And, um, you know, we're really excited. We just want to share it with the world. So how does, and, and this is, this is part, it just like, it makes me laugh. Cause like, it just sounds like a weird question to ask, but like, how would a collective community be able in this world of Dow, right? Be able to, I don't like to say share, but like get equal value to like the rare bottles of wine. Like if I, if I was a billionaire, right. And I had like, you know, the 1971 Merlot or whatever it may be. And it's like some fancy, you know, year that's worth a billion dollars. Sure. I might want to break it out at, you know, a very, very, very special occasion and pour a drink for, for guests. Whereas if it was, the wine controlled by the Dow, there is no tangible access to the item? So, so very good question. And the answer to that is there, there is access to those tangible items. So what we want to do is we don't want to just create, be the tether between the digital and the physical. We, we want to be that in real life experience for them. We want, if, if, if the Dow were to propose um, the acquisition of a particular car, or a Banksy or an NFT or that that rare Merlot that you're, you were just using as an example. We'll set up these in real life experiences so people that are a part of the community can come in and see them, view them, touch them, feel them, sit in that car, in that Ferrari that we just purchased, see that Banksy hanging on the wall because you own it and you have every right to see it, be a part of it. This is, this is the community you're a part of. And, um, and, and this is not just watch, we're not sitting here just saying, hey, you own it on a digital screen. We want to be able to actually showcase and show it off. Be proud of it. You own it. So you own it, but you still have the other people with you owning it. So I guess when push comes to shove, you know, let's say uh, Dow member, you know, 4762, they end up, uh, <laughs> they're at this event and they accidentally spill that very expensive Merlot on that very expensive car. How does the, the the shared pain of that loss impact the community? You know, I'll say this. I think the exposure is very small. And, and that's what makes it so great because you're, the DAO handles all the logistics. And the DAO just basically has to make the decision what to buy, when to buy it, and for how much. And the DAO, the administrators like myself and my team will – We'll handle all the logistics, whether it's transport, warehouse, insurance. We'll handle that all on behalf of the DAO so they don't have to worry about it. Um, but like you said, we, they could be a proposal be uh, made to sell the asset eventually, and that's totally fine. Um, and we'll distribute proceeds, if any, back to all the shareholders. So it's, it's, really, it's really a win-win. You don't have to worry about any of the nitty-gritty, bothersome stuff that um, you know, essentially can take up a lot of time and nobody really wants to deal with, like the logistics of, of these assets. Um, but we will handle that all. And you just basically have to purchase your shares for a small amount, purchase your NFTs for a small amount of money. You get small exposure to all these assets, but you get to say that they're yours. See, I, I had to ask the, the silly question because I'm sure there's that person out there that was in the audience. They're like, but what if? 
Brian, please ask the what if question. I got you. I got you. So let's go beyond where you are right now and, and let's see what this can turn into for the future. And I say that because we've been doing a lot of conversations talking about the importance of NFTs and blockchain in the world of cancer research, how it's helping get people out of the silos. Now they can share research and work together collaboratively across multiple geographic areas. And in some cases, they were in the same city, just weren't talking to each other. So where do you see, I know it's wild, where do you see um, black chip going? And, in terms of where you are now versus let's just give an arbitrary five years from now. Sure. Um, so, so back to the beginning, you know, Blackchip is a VC backed collectible focused project on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, what we want to do is create a global enthusiast network of people from all walks of life, complete strangers coming together to, to serve a single mission. And that's to acquire some of the most coveted assets in the world. Um, Right now, we're at a very good point. The code's been built out. We're, we're just trying to build awareness for the project and share it with the world. So in the next five years, Brian, for your question, we'd like to be one of the largest decentralized alternative asset managers in the world because DAOs play an integral part not only in their, 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 um, in, in their purchases, but also in their management and, and the history of these assets. We raise the, the value of these assets is now inherently more because of because of the community that's now played a part in them. The, the global recognition of those brands of that particular asset is now is now more valuable because of the project that it's associated with. And that's the, that's the true innovation that is that is decentralized in Web3. We're in a we're in a place and Blackchip. I truly believe that Blackchip will show the world how much human potential can be unlocked by open, trustless, decentralized, permissionless engineering. In the next five years, we want to be we want to be that renowned community that everyone acknowledges, that everyone knows is one of the biggest asset managers. They're doing something really cool over there. They're 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 the ones that are outbidding some of the really some of the big millionaires at Sotheby's or Christie's. They're the ones that are out there acquiring some of the most unique assets. I want to be part of that club. And that and that's what we're going to be doing in the next 5 years. There you go. Well, that's exciting stuff because we're we're seeing the the technology catching up with the ideas. Back to the the original point we were talking about before. So, to see where we are now and, you know, I, I do this a lot where I just kind of take a step back. I'm in the world of technology sales, cybersecurity sales, all that fun stuff. So I, I kind of pay more attention to the technology than probably others out there do. But one thing that really strikes me, there's a, a show I watch and it's more, uh, it's, it's like CGI and how it's advanced. And they were doing a deep fake show um, where they're talking about, and this is about two years ago, the deep fake of Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. And it's a young Luke Skywalker, supposed to be after Return of the Jedi. So it's Mark cool. Hamill, probably in his late 30s, I think. Um, and and you see, it you know, it looked like Mark Hamill, but kind of had that Polar Express vibe. It didn't feel 100% Mark okay. Hamill, right? right? But then, fast forward two years, right, to, to today, 2022, uh, and you had the Book of Boba Fett, which had a lot of uh, appearances from the Mandalorian characters. And they had yeah. another CGI uh, Mark Hamill for Luke Skywalker. Um, only they they really went into deep fake technology, and it's astonishing how good it looks. Um, and that's in two years, and, and you can see the just amazing improvement in that little time right there on screen. You just watch the videos back to back, and you can see how good it's gotten. Yeah. And then I look to where you are, right? What what will the technology be like for, for you 
in two years? What can you then take advantage of to, to help not only further your mission, but then expand your mission, right? There, there's so yeah. much that can be happening. And we don't even know what it could possibly be yet because the technology is just advancing so quickly. It is. It is. Yeah. And that's a great point. And, and it's quite unique because this innovation, when it was created, I guess the first, when Ethereum was created and it was the first blockchain based software that allowed for the building of decentralized applications, that, that was so revolutionary. And we're thinking about in 2017, when that came out, now it's five years ago, how much the ecosystem has grown. We have all this interoperability between blockchains right now. And that never would have been, that never would have been possible all those years ago. So, so, so Brian, I mean, to be honest with you, if, if I had to, if I had to guess what the next five years has in stores, but for DAOs, for projects like mine, um, and black chip, I, I think the technology can only advance in a sense where it makes it easier for everybody. Let's break down the barrier of entry. There's, there's a lot of hurdles that people have to go through and, and for, and, and, and Brian, I'm sure you're a crypto investor, but you have to, you have to pay network fees, um, to allow the for decentralization, you have to pay network fees so these computers can solve their complex math equations to confirm transactions on the blockchain. They they need to be paid. Can we streamline that? Can we make it easier? Can we make it cheaper? Can we can we eradicate some of these things that are that are uh, that are keeping us um, that are keeping us down? Uh, can we change all of big business? Can we change the hierarchy of all of big business to be decentralized to protect the people to keep the people? Um, held responsible and, and kind of put the power back into those into into the community opposed to a couple of decision makers. Let's make a community of decision makers. Um, and and it's interesting because I, I don't know what the world I don't know what the future has in store, but I think there's technology is only going to make it easier for everybody, whether it's to get into the space, whether it's create your own projects in the space. Um, I, I think it can only get easier and it only be more, more streamlined. And, and I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. The future is exciting. I know we've had a lot of white pill episodes here in the past few, uh, I say few episodes, few weeks. Uh, honestly, I think it's because we're having people like you, Nick, who are on the show, who are building the solutions that frankly we need. And if we want to see, and this is my Liberty crowd, right? If we want to see things get better, the, the political arm, I, I see that more as playing defense. We need to be playing offense and we play offense through Very the private point. sector, right? Going through building point. the new solutions and making the the old laws, the outdated laws, irrelevant, right? If we can if we can make the technology get to the point where the bureaucrats can't keep up, well, I think we're doing our job. So, Nick, with that being said, that's uh, my high horse. Let's go ahead and turn it over to you for final thoughts to the audience. Any words of wisdom you want to leave folks with uh, as founder of Blackchip.io? Uh, thanks, thanks, Brian. Yeah, so um, you know, being the founder of Blackchip has has without a doubt had its had its ups and downs it's been one of the most challenging things i've ever done but without a doubt the most rewarding will be when, when we're fully funded when there's when there's members of this community from all over the world contributing to our mission um it's going to be an incredible experience and i hope i hope you guys see that same value and want to join again we're, we're blackchip.co um join us on twitter at blackchip dow um, we're going to be, we're going to be in for an incredible ride and, and I'm really excited to see that where this goes. 
blackchip.co, not IO, Brian. I've been working with way too many AI companies. I think that's very obvious, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, my, my, for my day job, I've been working with my uh, my former boss and VP of uh, sales ops. I'm looking to uh, find a new replacement for one of our outbound dialers. And every single company is .io, .io. So I've been seeing calendar invites, .io everywhere. But no, blackchip.co. No, no there we go. Yeah. And how about this, Nick? We'll make it easy for folks. All you have to do, folks, click the artwork in your podcast catcher. It will bring you to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode, including all of Nick's bios, all of the links. Plus, you can find the entire transcript from today's episode. And oh, by the way, all 470, that's right, 470 plus episodes of The Brian Nichols Show. Episode 500 is just uh, right around the corner. We're going to have a special guest, by the way, for episode 500, Nick. I haven't even announced that. Who, uh, I haven't even announced that that's going to be happening, but it is going to be happening. And uh, yeah, you're the first to hear it. And folks, if you want to make sure you're not missing out, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever it is you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be, just hit that subscribe button. And if you do, hit the download all button so you're not going to miss, again, all 470 plus episodes. You're going to have a lot of awesome uh, episodes to catch up on before we hit episode 500. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Nick Beto from Black Chip. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.